calling all aspiring investment professionals. Get a leg up on the competition. Final registration for the August CFA exam ends on May 14th. Register now to secure your spot. The CFA designation is a gold standard in the investment world, opening doors to high-powered careers and impressive salaries. Head over to cfainstitute.org to register. Don't wait. Take control of your finance career today. Hello and welcome to another episode of Take 15. My name is Matthew Orsog. I'm a senior policy analyst at the CFA Institute Center for Financial Market Integrity. And our guest today is Tom Keene of Bloomberg News. Tom, what have you been hearing about the Fed funds rate going on into 2009? Well, it's, it's a big, big debate. I'm going to Jackson Hole, Wyoming uh, next week for the Kansas City Symposium. And there's always a theme there. I can't remember what the theme is right now, but it's always appropriate. But underneath it, there's always sub-debates. There's no question in my mind the sub-debate underneath will be uh, the state of the Fed's balance sheet in this debate over an independent Fed, and right with that, your question, which is, is, is the target rate in where it should be. The prescriptive idea of what uh, any central bank should do is always a point of debate, but it's reached a new interest. Uh, I think of what John Riding and Conrad de Quadros have said uh, at RDQ Economics, these two were with Bear Stearns before the debacle, that this is a time of ambiguity, this ambiguous sense, which in economics, is a very unique phrase. It's just there's there's an, there's an unsettled nature in this August, and so much of that is when you look at Taylor Rule, the target rate's two percent, and Taylor Rule models roughly uh, three uh, and three quarters percent, right. and it's a debate underneath. Uh, the radar. Uh, there's a significant portion of economics, both academic and market economics, that really suggests at the minimum when it's time to raise rates, it should not be measured as it was in 02, 03. And then within that group, another one that says, let's go right now, raise rates. Uh, Maury Harris at UBS looks for two rate cuts uh, as we go to the end of the year. And what about the Fed's dual mandate of full employment and inflation targeting? Where do things stand going forward? Is there one they're going to favor over another in the next year or so? It's a, it's a big debate, and there's a lot of research on that. What I would suggest is almost always they're looking at the inflation mandate. They're looking at price, and, of course, uh, we learned in August of, of a five-handle on top-line inflation with a number of people talking about a migration to 6% before this is all over, and we saw core come up as well. But... Everything I've ever read, including the CFA curricula, would be that inflation's really what matters, with one exception. When the unemployment rate starts to move, that really can crowd out a certitude about price stability and about uh, the inflation mandate. Uh, someone, say, like Maury Harris or others looking for rate decreases, or at least a very long pause here, would suggest this job issue will take over. Uh, it's been a bit delayed this time around, but the job issue will really come front and center late in 08 and into 09. And where do things stand in the credit crisis? We're about a year into things now. Where will we be about a year from now in 2009? I, I think, first of all, there's a huge humility out there. Uh, not that people were wrong or right, but the theta. The, the thing that I've always studied going way back, and even within the CFA curricula, is a time function. Whenever you see a T in a function, I circle it, or the, or the Greek letter theta, if that's appropriate. And the, the time function here has been so darn hard. Alan Meltzer told me uh, the other day that he was positive this would work out 
within a matter of months. So here we are, a year long, a year long, even 13 months. And that was long. last year. He said that. Yeah, well, he said it last year, and he said it uh, this year how wrong he was. He's got a lot of company. And, and the view forward here is one of widening spreads. And, and what, if I could make just one point within the confines of the length of the interview, the people I'm listening to most closely now are the corporate bond people. Because now you're having the overlay of the credit crisis, and overlaid on top of that, you have some form of economic slowdown, and you've got the default question. And whether it's Bill Gross or it's Marty Fridson or it's Ed Altman of the Altman Z-score, these people are telling me that they're, they're acutely aware of the overlay and how that can lead to uh, default issues. We're not there yet, but it's something to look forward to in the coming months. Uh, where are you hearing about uh, the dollar in the, in the upcoming year? Is it, is it finished falling? Is it slowed falling? Or, or what do people think? The consensus on the dollar is startling. It is a one-way bet on strong dollar. We have a function in the Bloomberg FXIP go, and you can go into all things foreign exchange. And when you do that, it, there's just no question. It's a one-way bet on strong dollar. Well, first of all, straw hats and winner, uh, you got to go against consensus on that. And, and there's not all that many people brave enough to look for continued dollar weakness within market economics. And it's usually an interest rate issue. They're looking at uh, relative rates, particularly between the United States and Europe. Europe on the flat on its back. Europe rates will come down. U.S. will do okay. You get to a flat to stronger dollar. The academics are a lot different. When you look at Martin Feldstein, who suggests really on a capital flow basis, the dollar must go down. It has but it's got more to go. Alan Meltzer would agree with, with Professor Feldstein on that. You end up with really two stark differences here, a capital flow analysis and a real rate analysis. What have we learned about risk in the past 12 months? It, it has been truly extraordinary, uh, the changes that I've seen, whether it's Myron Scholes or it's Nassim Taleb, who I actually spoke to today, or it's someone like Peter Fisher at BlackRock. There's been a sea change in risk. And what's so important, I think, particularly for uh, the CFA curricula and for people that are either going into level one or two or three or that, is to understand that all of the certitude of risk uh, within all the levels is being challenged right now. It's being challenged within the mathematics. It's being, chan it's being challenged tangentially outside the mathematics. And what's fascinating about it is when you go into the Greek symbols, uh, there's some real doubt here. It's about rates of change, and it's about what from electrical engineering I call slew rates of, of just how wrong so many people were. They may have seen this coming, but they just didn't see the rates of change. I remember in August of last year, Matt, the T-bill went four deviations like this down. Now, completely removed from that, we've seen rice with its follow-on from hydrocarbons and from oil. Rice, off of uh, a granted a subdued long-term trend, has gone, depending on your measure, at 10, 11, 12 deviations up. We're seeing these huge rates of change, which really put to task to put to test the underlying mathematics uh, th that are within risk. Is there a level of complexity in the intertwined nature of all of these markets that just can't be modeled where maybe 15, 20 years ago they could be modeled? That's dead on, and it's right out of Nassim Taleb's mouth. Taleb, Nassim Taleb is really talking about the complexities that are out there, the interdependencies. Henry Kaufman, 
suggests that just these institutions have gotten too big, that there was a, there was a behavioral safety net to a partnership structure that has been lost in mergers. And you see that with the UBS announcement that they have suggested their all-in-one bank has been a failed model uh, in this summer of 2008. But yes, the complexities in the, the technology and logistical advance of a global economy has really made things uh, much more uh, intricate. That brings up one, one more thing that I thought of while, while you were speaking, that uh, the, the object of a bank being or a company being too big to fail and what regulators or investors can do about that. Mm -hmm. Is there anything? I haven't seen a good story on that yet. It's a huge issue. What is too big to fail? How do you measure too big to fail? Is it a cultural issue, a social issue? Uh, my, my basic take on it, you know, doing the weekend watch of when CEOs are leaving or, or just the grind of Bloomberg, my basic take on it is too big to fail, will probably be decided in very short order, uh, typically late at night with a conference call. That's typically how it gets done. Copyright 2008, CFA Institute. No part may be reproduced, stored in a retrieval system, or transmitted in any form or by any means, electronic, mechanical, recording, or otherwise, without the express prior written permission of CFA Institute. This program is designed to give accurate and authoritative information in regard to the subject matter covered. It is distributed with the understanding that CFA Institute is not engaged in rendering legal, accounting, tax, investment, or other expert advice. If legal advice or other expert assistance is required, the services of a competent professional should be sought.